0: You're listening to a Rock Candy Podcast.
1: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, Go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. As always, I have to thank my patrons. They make this show possible and sustainable. So for this week, I have to thank Elizabeth Washburn, Nixie Lionheart, Diane Kochneff, Patricia Moreno, and Scott Armstrong. Thank you so much. You are my personal lords and saviors. And by the way, if you wonder where your money goes, it goes to really practical things like keeping my six cat children fed and watered and vet bills and repairing my rickety old 30-year-old car and things like that. It goes to really basic life stuff as well as this podcast and future investments for more content creation so every little bit helps and you can get extra content every single week by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen bradford long all right well i am really delighted to welcome james Payne to the show hello james how are you
0: hey Stephen. i'm doing great uh, happy to be here the uh, thanks for inviting me to be on
1: of course, my pleasure. Yeah, so we are colleagues in the Satanic Temple. You are one of the ministers in the Satanic Temple, and you are, I believe, the director of the Uniformed Coalition. Did I get that right? Satanic? You did, that's exactly okay. right. Okay, Satanic Uniformed Coalition. So tell us some about who you are and what you do.
0: Uh, Well, I guess we'll start with a little bit about me. Uh, I am active duty military. I'm senior enlisted in uh, the U.S. Navy. With that comes a qualifying statement of nothing I say is reflective of the DOD or any person that I might work for, all those sorts of things. I have to legally qualify it that way Hmm. uh, due to various military regulations. But, um, yeah, I'm active duty military. I've been in for almost 16 years. I am married been married for um 14 years got a kiddo he's nine years old i have two dog children uh like your six cat children so by the way (laughs) if you hear uh yeah yeah we love we love
1: animal we we love animal invasions on this podcast they happen (laughs) they happen regularly
0: yeah i'm sure it will happen again you'll hear a very very large boof and that (laughs) is my 90 pound lap dog named astrid nice Um, my other Peter Todd is just
1: sitting there being lazy. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, um yeah. And and can you say what uh what's the you see, I, I know nothing about the about military the the guild, what branch, what what royal house? What? Which which part of the military are you in?
0: Sure, sure. I'll I'll go into it. Like, are you a, a
1: Harkonnen? Are you that. are you an Atreides? Are you <laughs> like? <laughs> I just like think of myself
0: as a bit of a Hufflepuff. And are you a
1: Ravenclaw? <laughs> are you an Imperial stormtrooper? Like, no, what is the, uh, what do you, you do?
0: That when my next tattoo plan is to get an Empire logo with a Rebel Alliance logo in the middle of it. The Rebel. Oh, nice.
1: In nice. Part. Nice, nice. So so can you tell us some about what you do in the military? Sure thing, yeah. I, I can tell you I can tell you a little
0: bit about it, absolutely. So I'm in the Navy. My uh in the Navy we have a bunch of different titles. I'll keep the simple ones. Um I am what's called a senior chief petty officer. That is a senior enlisted position in the Navy and Basically, that means that usually I'm, you know, in charge of making sure that a department of sailors uh, has everything they need in order to be able to do their job, in order to be able to live their life. I mean, I I take care of sailors, basically, is what I do in that senior enlisted position. My profession is I'm a military linguist. Um, I speak a a, a variety of languages. A a military,
1: what was it? You were a military, say that again?
0: a a linguist i'm a military linguist as my profession it's funny that that's the thing that i needed to say again sometimes i can't (laughs) words well (laughs) or
1: or i just don't understand words well so who knows it could it could be one or the other
0: but yeah i mean i've I've been doing that for quite a while um i did a i did a stint uh as we call it a recruit division commander in the navy but uh, most people colloquially refer to it as a drill sergeant (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, And uh, I, know, I know y'all can't see me right now, but I promise I look very imposing
1: in my <laughs> red
0: cow-neck sweater.
1: <laughs> so I think that of all the things that Satanism gets paired with, in both the popular imagination and in the minds of maybe a lot of Satanists, Satanism and military aren't necessarily one of those things. Right. And so, you know, you when people think of Satanism, they they think of all kinds of countercultural things and um, also maybe a lot of political movements that might be ideologically opposed to the very concept of military. Right. So what is your journey to satanism so you have been in the military you said for 16 years is that right yes it is is sixteen years now so what drew you to satanism what is your path to satan
0: (laughs) well broadly speaking everyone in the military has a different path to it that is a military satanist right speaking for myself uh i've always been an atheist i was never raised in like a firm christian household or anything my mom would identify as spiritual my dad is unitarian um so you know christian light everything
1: Unitarian. it's everything when Um, they yeah the the joke is when they when unitarians pray they always start it with to whom it may concern
0: I like that. I'm going to have to tell that one to my dad.
1: I say that with great love for Unitarian Universalists. I absolutely love them and I think they do amazing stuff. So I say that oh, in, in, with complete adoration of our, you know, beloved Unitarian Universalists. Oh
0: yeah, they helped start the humanist movement, so I'm totally down with it. Absolutely. Uh, for me though, it was a natural evolution, right? Um We have to go back to why a lot of people join the military also, though, to really get to the root of the matter. And the fact of the matter is, is that people join the military for every reason you can think of. They join it for, you know, the typical things that people might think of, you know, patriotism and service to their country and things like that. But people also join it for education or just to get out of their hometown, to get out of their bad situation, right? Everyone joins it for a different reason. For me, I just wanted to get out of my hometown, really. Um, And my view toward the military evolved through the years that I was in it. So what you're referring toward other, where people see that counterculture and the military and it doesn't quite align, uh, I will acknowledge first and foremost that that's still correct. I am in the military and I am aware that very that. Parts of the institution that I am in do not directly line up with my values, nor the values that most Satanists might hold. And we can speak to that in a little bit, because that's part of the Uniform Coalition as a whole of what we're trying to do. But for my personal journey into Satanism, it was really just that I always identified with this archetype, with this romantic literary character of Satan. Not necessarily Satan from the Bible, right? Everyone thinks of that one and that one specifically, but for me, it was more the uh, the rebel that was trying to make a real change, right? And for Satanists broadly in the military, that's kind of how we look at it, right? We're in the system just as Lucifer the morning star was you know, in the celestial system as it were, but he wanted to make a change. So he was willing to rise up against those arbitrary injustices and fight for it uh, and that's part of what i would say military satanists do now first and foremost we obviously are beholden to the constitution we take an oath to it the constitution of the united states of america um, support and defend and that doesn't go away i absolutely Take my oath to support and defend the Constitution very seriously, um, and I will never betray that oath.
1: I've just been, you know, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I've oh been, no, you're fine. I've been reading a book called "The Constitution of Knowledge," and it uh, by Jonathan Rosh, who is a former, you know, who's who's kind of an old time gay activist, and but he he talks about the formation of the American Constitution and just what a marvel of true liberalism and it is and what an extraordinary masterpiece of innovation it is so i am right there with you as some, not as someone who has made a formal declaration you know formal um vow to defend the constitution but you know in spirit i'm right there with you i think it's an incredible document
0: yeah absolutely and something i always like to point out about it is you know the constitution if you once you read it it tells a lot of it always focuses on a lot of what the government can't limit and how the government can't limit the people right it always says the government can't do this anytime it says the people can't do this uh you end up with things like prohibition and that didn't go so well
1: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so there's something kind of inherently satanic about the american constitution in my opinion oh there's
0: something inherently satanic, I would say, about the American way of life, the American ideal of patriotism and revolution.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree with you on that. And so, yeah, you were drawn to the symbol of Satan as the unbowed will who fights for the greater good. And that it, and it sounds like that resonated with you and your experience in the military. Does it so you have made this vow to protect the Constitution, to defend the Constitution? Do you feel like that is ever at odds with how the military operates now? Is part of that satanic practice in the military then is there a conflict between where the military is right now and what the constitution says it should be
0: i don't believe so okay um and i'll elaborate on why that's because our constitution as it you know stands right now uh gives us a great deal of freedoms now obviously if you look at the you know barry's freedom index we're not like the most free country in the world and i don't pretend to say that we are but I do think that we do enjoy a great deal of freedoms. The fact of the matter is, is that if there were anything that I found to be at odds with as a Satanist, the military has done a pretty good job of giving a, we'll say, a way by regulation to affect change within the military structure. Now, is it always actually effective? That's You know, it depends on a lot, a thousand things, right? But that doesn't mean that we can't fight for it within the military. So whenever it comes down to it, um, I don't think that anything that I do as a Satanist is ever at odds with my oath to protect and defend the Constitution. No.
1: Mm -hmm. And what drew you to TST?
0: Well, we know about kind of the origins of, well, sorry, sorry to I'm assuming your crowd knows a little bit about the origins of TST. And but
1: you can always rehash. It is fine. We we also get a lot of newcomers to this show, where this specific episode might be someone's first exposure to Satanism. So go ahead and tell people as if they have never heard anything about it before.
0: Sure, I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it brief and simple. Right, um, the Satanic Temple was born in the mid 2000 2010 is uh, 2013 i think is the official establishment date and then uh really started coming into its own a few years later if uh 2017 i believe being when they officially became recognized i might be wrong on that someone look me up um y'all are the internet y'all will be ruthless so we talk a lot about the um you know the where tst came from and how it wanted to make sure that religious equality was being observed, and to get that real separation of church and state into place. You know, you have things like good old, good old Mr. rapert who fought a lot to try to have a Ten Commandments monument erected, and that essentially became the reason that we have a Baphomet statue, right? Now, uh, Eliphas Levy, of course, the original Baphomet way back in the day, but the Baphomet statue itself is Probably born of that particular fight. Right. So it was really noticing things like that. There were people who were willing to stand up for things like the separation of church and state, something that I've always fervently believed in, seeing the problems that state recognized religion or, you know, local municipality recognized religion can create. It drew my attention to them, obviously. I'd never identified with. Uh, the Church of Satan, or anything like that. I'm not gonna go into, you know, detail about COS Satanists, but suffice to say, I didn't never identify with them, so uh, that never drew me towards Satanism. What did was the realization that there was this group of people that, oh damn, I already believe the same things this group of people believe. And it was very hard to find that community, right? Like I suspect, like a lot of people, they say they read the tenets and they go, oh, well, I've been a Satanist my whole life Mm -hmm. because they believe in things like the tenets, right? I specifically chose to make an outward attempt to embody those traits. Mm. And I've always feel like I feel like I've always done that sort of my whole life anyways. But this gave me a way to codify it and as i said before to build that community around it really i think satanism it, it's very individualistic obviously but it's a bit of a conundrum too because it's an individualistic community
1: yes <laughs> it is a community of individuals
0: yes yeah and that's essentially what drew me to it right it, i didn't have to change who i was i'm i'm still the same person hopefully a little less flaws along the way having learned from my mistakes but still essentially the same person I was um, five, 10 years ago, uh, still trying to fight the good fight, as it were. Hmm. And TSP has really enabled me to further pursue that and, more importantly, enabled me to help others find that community. Right? Hmm. We don't proselytize, of course, but that doesn't mean that people don't come to us wanting that community and that help and really love and relish being able to provide that outlet for people who never had it before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also, you know, I'm so glad that there exists this community of Satanists in the military because I have friends who are in the military who have developed an interest in Satanism and the Uniformed Coalition is a resource that I've been able to send them to. And you know that that just points to the fact that this is a religion and because it is a religion, it is going to draw many different types of people. And that's the way it should be. And so it is going to draw, you know, the gutter punks and it's going to draw the uh the military people, right? And everyone in between and and the whole mix of humanity and lots of people from the gay community and sex workers and then, you know, corporate satanists who wear suits and ties, and that's the way it should be. One of the reasons why I why I wanted to have you on is to break the notion that Satanism only appeals to one type of person. Does that make sense? Oh no, that I makes hope, perfect. Sense. I hope that makes sense and I, I hope I'm I'm articulating that well. I don't know how well I'm communicating that, but
0: well, I think you're communicating that very well, actually. Um, you know, it's funny myself and the uh, the director of the after school Satan Club. We often joke with each other—June, by the way—we uh, often joke with each other that no one would really pick us out in a crowd as Satanists, and we could get to places other Satanists couldn't. Me too. Because we look very <laughs> plain.
1: Well, you know, I, I wrote an article <laughs> called On Being a Normie Satanist uh, yeah. a year or two ago, and that was the point that I made. You know, I I'm a Satanist because it is my religion, mm-hmm. and I— may not necessarily look the part. You know, I do have long hair and I do have a big beard. If anything, I look more like a, like an Asheville... You know, I'm in the Asheville area. I look more like an Asheville hippie pagan. Like, if, if there's any look that I have, it's like, oh, this guy is eating mushrooms up in the woods. That is more of the look that I have. But, you know, I... Usually, I'm just like wearing khakis and a cat t shirt as I'm doing right now, right? It, so, but the point is, t- Satanism is a religion. And so, therefore, it won't be, it won't attract just one aesthetic type or one personality type or one person of a particular background. You know, there's this stereotype that Satanism is really just for disaffected Christians who are. You know people who are who grew up Christian and who are countercultural, and that is just not true. The number of lifelong atheists and the number of people who even who who actually have a wonderful relationship with their former Christian faith, still, and I consider myself in that category. I love Christianity, even though there's a lot of ugliness to it. I, I still really, I I don't hate my Christian background. And so there's just no stereotype for Satanism.
0: Sure. By virtue of my, I guess we'll say, position in the military, I obviously uh, embrace other religious structures as well, acknowledging that they too are problematic structures and uh, trying to convince people from within those communities to, you know, maybe incidentally be a little satanic and change it for the better. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. And um, so tell us some about the Uniformed Coalition campaign. And, but, but first, I want to clarify what makes Uniformed Coalition a campaign. So a campaign within the Satanic Temple means something very, very specific. So what makes this a campaign rather than just a social group? for people in the military or veterans, etc. So what is the mission of this campaign? What makes this a campaign rather than an alliance?
0: So uh, I guess to explain that answer, we need to first go a little bit about like what the Uniform Coalition actually consists of, right? A lot of people focus on the military, because to be frank, it started with a military community, Right. That was it was originally military friends of the satanic temple. Right. And me and quite a few others, some veteran ministers worked very hard to evolve the group to where it is now. And the uniform coalition specifically consists of uh, active duty military, veterans, uh, first responders, firefighters, doctors and nurses, and uh, yes, law enforcement officers, police. Mm-hmm. Um, among others as well, right? All of these people are people who have chose to put on a uniform and serve their community in a potentially dangerous or life-threatening way. And it's, it's a community like that that really brought us all together, right? Now, what makes it an actual campaign is this community, this group that would normally be something like an alliance, uh, what we have as the campaign is a network, right, that looks to provide veterans assistance, provide training, proper training for first responders or an advocate for proper training for law enforcement officers and trying to make sure that within these problematic communities, we can really make an effective change from within. Mm. Right, As a uniform coalition of we understand the potentially problematic nature of our professional communities. We also understand and support those that would challenge the problematic or destructive issues that might arise in these communities. What I would like to emphasize also is we as well challenge those issues from within. Just as, you know, the temple Temple uses law-based and religious biases to demand change or equality, uh, we and the Uniform Coalition believe in using institutional regulation and reason leveraging what we can to affect positive change on these institutions from within right mm. so mm. that's part of the campaign and the other focus of the campaign is of course taking care of the members of this campaign providing them resources there's a great number of our membership that unfortunately suffer from uh things like post-traumatic stress disorder or various uh, mental health uh ailments we'll say and we while we don't provide those surf- services ourselves, obviously, we do help direct them to people that can help them. A lot of our, a lot of our members, you know, go to uh, things like Military One Source, or you know, uh, certain police unions really help, right? Mm-hmm. Certain one, certain other police unions, not so much. But <laughs> you know, we we gauge those, depending on the municipality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, you know.
1: I, I said earlier that I don't know much of anything about the military. Uh, that was that was kind of a lie. My partner works in suicide prevention for the VA, and there's there, you know, you mentioned PTSD. I'm sure the, the same is true for people who have served in the police, in the police force. And it's really hard to overstate how much. At least I feel like our country has failed veterans with PTSD. I, would, I I agree. Yeah, um, it, we we have done a terrible job, just socially, societally, and and in, you know the in terms of resources and in in terms of adequate care and mental health care, and also just the communities that a lot of these people come back to. There's just it's been catastrophic. <laughs> that no, is something I do know a good deal about because of the work that my partner is in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate because all, all of those communities that we represent, right. Every single one of them has higher rates of suicide than the rest of, you know, the the rest of the country, right. Mm. Uh, every single one of them have higher rates of domestic violence incidents, right. Every single one of them have higher rates of these, things that lead to uh, either self-harm or harm of others. And that's something that we actively try to provide resources to get ahead of, mm. right? Because we don't want that endemic to our culture, right? We want to change these institutions that we're a part of for the better. And we want to try to get that get those numbers down as low as possible.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is that there are kind of two prongs to this campaign. Uh, the, one, the one prong is the community of veterans and active duty and people on on the police force and, and so on, and providing resources and community for those people. So that's one prong. But then the other prong is trying to affect change in policy and in uh reform within these various institutions and that's kind of the the broader goal so what is what are some of those specific goals that make this a campaign
0: so one of the things that i could really speak to i guess is our efforts to get satanism recognized within the military right well we can focus on that a little bit Um, that's one of our specific goals right there's a whole lot of jargon, and I'll try to avoid using it, <laughs> um, but there's this there's this board called the Armed Forces Chaplains Board, and essentially, they dictate what is or isn't a religion within the United States military. Now, never mind that it's already recognized by the U.S. federal government. This is a different list, okay? So, one of our specific goals is uh, in this endeavor is this particular recognition getting us to be able to put tst on our dog tags to put it as simply as possible Hmm. right uh right now that's not an option can't do it but there's a lot of satanists within the military that want to be able to represent themselves you know uh if if they die and it just says no rel pre with no religious preference or other or atheist there's uh how is the military supposed to know what their wishes might be right uh it's that's a drastic scenario of course but it's something that we have to consider right and it also just comes down to that religious equality wanting to be able to read, oh, oh there he uh, is there she is
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah wanting to be represented the same as others right so the other one that on another specific point that we're going to is making an alliance of suicide prevention uh, com- networks. I guess we are actively reaching out across the country um, in order to I guess distribute more info and make more known various things in people's local community that can help someone not pull trigger, as it were. That can help people whenever they feel like they might not have another out, and we want to make sure that that community is uh, very robust and that people will always have somewhere to go with it. Um, hopefully, the end goal of that particular endeavor is to have something like like we have. We know the suicide prevention uh, crisis line, right? We want to have something like that for our community as well um and anyone that's associated with our community right and i guess really anyone (laughs) but uh we want to basically have the the tst version of that Hmm. right where it's it's another outlet that people can use that people can feel more comfortable using because it's from their community
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and you know this is this is one of the really important roles of religion for a religious community to provide these services and to provide those resources that's what a church is supposed to do that is the role of a church to of a healthy church to provide those resources to members of their community so yeah all of that makes sense were there were there any specific steps that your that uh uniformed coalition had to go through in order to become a campaign? Like what is that process like? For this is kind of insider satanic baseball, so we don't need to spend too much time on this, but just for people who might be curious, and and we don't need to go into too great detail, but what's the process by which something becomes a campaign? Like what or what was the process for you to for Uniformed Coalition to become a campaign?
0: So um First off, I guess I should say that each campaign within TST um, is probably, probably built a little bit differently because we each have to have our own way of operating in order to effectively operate a campaign. Um, we're nowhere near as big as Sober Faction, for instance, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that we're you know increasing in numbers literally every day. Now, what got us to be an actual uh, campaign campaign really started off with a need right and i think like most things what what is it that say um difficulty breeds ingenuity something like that
1: something like that yeah
0: yeah and in this case the lack of ability to uh, help a particular portion of our community led to the formation of this as i said originally military friends of the satanic temple and uh it did start off just as a group right? Like kind of a, a, a little local support group. And it, it grew and kept expanding. And you know, there was a lot of discussion back and forth within our own group as to, you know, whether how we should expand, whether we should open it, frankly, to other communities as well. Um, ultimately, we see where we ended up with that. But really, ultimately, what it comes down to in forming ourselves as a campaign is providing that resource to our satanic Community, right? Filling that need and creating an outlet to enable us to be able to help each other better.
1: Mm. Awesome. So, listening to you talk, I I can just what kind what kind of reaction do you? So, you are probably doing a lot of, for lack of a better term, activism within the military on behalf of Satanists. That's part of your job uh in you know as director of the uniformed coalition what kind of response do you get from your colleagues in the military
0: well first i should be very clear and state that i keep my uh, religious activity and my professional activity entirely separate right
1: that is very um, mature and professional and everyone should do that
0: yeah
1: um <laughs> everyone do what james does <laughs> yeah. um
0: Nonetheless, I, you know, I am I go by my real name. Uh, I don't make any effort to hide the fact that I'm a Satanist. I don't, you know, go running down the hall screaming it, of course, but I don't make any effort to hide it either. And people that I work with do, you know, know that I'm a, a Satanist. I'd say largely it depends on the community that I'm a part of uh, at the time <laughs> um, uh, as far as how their response to that goes. Whenever. You can, y'all can look up articles about it. I'm pretty sure there's an article about me in the American Conservative. But uh, one of the big, I guess we'll say, triggering factors for all of this was a group of uh, midshipmen. Uh, what a midshipman is, is that's like a cadet at the U.S. Naval.
1: What is a cadet for people they, who are not in the know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, these, these young men and women are trying to go through this college and eventually become commissioned officers in the U.S. military. So they, as I said, I've always been public about it, and a few of them wanted representation. They wanted, really what they wanted was a community at their school. And someone came to me and asked, they asked me if I would be the sponsor for it, you know, help them with this process. With the Uh, process of of
1: being a, a satanic community. Yes, got it. A
0: satanic community within the school, right? Uh, because there were other religious clubs, right? This, what it would have, the way it would have been categorized, would have been called an extracurricular activity, pack religion. Mm. Uh, so, a religious extracurricular activity, right? And there was no shortage of them on the yard. Uh, you know, you have Catholic groups and Christian groups, and uh, you know, Muslim groups and uh, Buddhist groups, everything like that, right? And uh, because they were very good about letting people represent themselves equally. Right. Uh, and I will say that that um, almost, almost all the chaplains that I've worked with in uh, a chaplain, for those of you that don't know, is someone whose job it is in the U.S. military to uh, facilitate religious structure and religious activity to a command. Now, they, you know, they. Um, They take care of their own religious community, obviously, but they also are charged with taking care of everyone else, regardless of their own personal beliefs or lack thereof. And most of them stuck to that. I won't say all of them and I won't drop names, but most of them stuck to that very well. The system at large did not. It was a long fight. Ultimately, where it ended up was a uh, community that was allowed to get together unofficially because they would not allow the name Satan on an extracurricular activity. It would not do it. Hmm. And that's something that we're still looking at how to challenge today. We have things like the Satanic Representation Campaign that's doing a lot of that work, right? uh, In colleges across the country. And we're figuring out how to best tackle those sorts of situations. So this situation at the Academy is ultimately where a lot of this really kicked off as well. Because it sparked this interest in all of these uh, people coming together. And it was, you know, you're going to tell us no. Well, fuck that. Uh, fuck that and fuck you. Right. Absolutely. yeah. Um, and we get together and we coalesce into uh, a community that just decided to do it anyway. It's like, okay, well, you're going to deny us our rights. We're going to, you know, effectively protest by doing it anyway. And we did. <laughs> um, So after that, of course, uh, I actually personally got what's called a a counseling statement, right? And that's because they knew that legally they couldn't do more than that to me. I got a counseling statement for my support of midshipmen in this endeavor uh, because it made national news, right? A A bunch of midshipmen want to be Satanists. They want to be able to be Satanists, right? And it made national news. And I have... That counseling frame on the wall in my office <laughs> uh, uh, specifically because i always like to encourage my sailors to fight for injustice where they see it absolutely right so i took that to heart and uh framed it <laughs> amazing
1: amazing yeah, yeah uh so, so it sounds like you get a lot of institutional pushback um, yeah, maybe it isn't so much personal pushback, but institutional pushback is what I'm hearing you yes. say.
0: So and I say that I predicated all this with it depends where I'm at, right? I will predicate it with it is it was that particular institution at the time. And also, I do need to be very clear here that uh, unless you know, the U.S. Naval Academy tried to sue me for something, the chaplains were very supportive of the process throughout the entire time and i do believe that ultimately we will come to an agreement about what can happen and i do have to say that they have not officially denied it in any way shape or form to this day they have not officially denied the allowance of it awesome Uh,
1: important clarification (laughs) sure sure but that's an important clarification
0: when uh when we're talking about that right I'm not certain how much it impacted me personally in my career. I do know that with my colleagues at that time, it put some of them off, right? Some of them didn't care, right? I still have a lot of friends and a lot of great relations from the Naval Academy um, or from from my time there. And it just really came down to the individualized person. Mm -hmm. Um, We we have uh, some success stories from it, of course, like, for instance, Satanic midshipman graduating into the Marine Corps, you know, the first ever openly satanic midshipman graduating into the Marine Corps, uh, the first ever openly satanic woman graduating into the US Navy, and then followed by the first ever openly satanic man as well. And we also were a uh we also had a membership that included our transgendered midshipmen as well. And ultimately they graduated into their various military services amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was exceptional that we were able to facilitate, you know, giving them a community there while they were on that journey. It's not an easy school. It's, it's you know, one of the top institutions in the country and usually, number, usually somewhere between one and three for public schools and uh, it's not easy for them and I'm very glad that we were able to give that to them while we were there in whatever capacity we were, in fact, able to provide it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: moving to, we'll say, My own community, (laughs) Um, because that's a that's a different kind of community, right? Um, uh, I'm a like I said, I'm a military. I don't know if you heard my kid over there.
1: It's fine. It's fine. We we screaming children (laughs) in the background is just fine. It's like it's the same with barking dogs and yowling cats. It's several episodes ago, Aaron Raw was on the show, but he had the there was this like persistent yowling like this cat just caterwauling. but at the very beginning of the show he was like I'm so sorry that is my parrot pretending to be a cat and so it was like his parrot <laughs> pretending to be a cat and it was just like screeching through the first you know 20 minutes of the show so it's all good that's
0: phenomenal <laughs> first and foremost my community is the Navy it is the military you know um, I shouldn't uh, paint a narrow stroke of that. But there are subcommunities within the military and I will say that the linguist category um, is typically a little more liberal and progressive than the rest of the military. So, like, uh, my current command uh, and the chaplain corps at this command and, you know, the students and the staff at this command, they're just like, fucking A, hey, rock on. You know, we That's have great. sailors, great. You know we' we're, we're actively working at this command to establish um the first military satanic congregation on this
1: base hmm. you know what what i think what you what this emphasizes is just how huge the American military is and how varied a culture it is and you know i think that for a lot of people from the outside uh, on the outside of the military there's this stereotype of what a military person is is and that stereotype might have some truth to it depending on a very specific context. But the truth is there are so many different cultures and personality types and backgrounds and motivations and beliefs within the military. And I I whenever people talk about the military, I wish whatever whatever they might say about it, I wish that that they would uh, include that in their analysis that this is actually a a gargantuan and varied community.
0: Sure, yeah, and you're absolutely right. The military is no different, right? We have communities like here, like anywhere else, that have all kinds of people that uh, believe all kinds of different things and have all kinds of different viewpoints on all kinds of different activities. Right. right? right. And Military, you're going to, you're going to get people in the military, just like anywhere else that, you know, think that Satanists shouldn't have a right to exist, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and then you're going to get people that don't give a shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get, of course, get the Satanists themselves, right? Right. You, right, you and get every- people who are allies, no matter what their own personal religious belief is. If mm-hmm. good people, you have bad people, you have all the spectrum in the military. That's no different in that community than it is in our own satanic community.
1: Absolutely. So speaking of our own satanic community, do you get pushback within the satanic community for being part of the military?
0: You know, occasionally, yes. um, But I won't say that it's the norm. That's great. Yeah, it it is. It's a great thing. And if if I do, not a lot of people are willing to confront us about it. (laughs) Um, So I don't know about it. Um, right,
1: right, right, right. That makes complete sense.
0: There there certainly are Satanists within TST that don't believe that we should be allowed to be a part of TST. Um, you know, far be it from me to uh dictate what tenants should mean to what the tenets of TST should mean to anyone, but I don't personally believe that you know gatekeeping Satanism is reflected in our tenets, right? Those that do, as I said though earlier, those that do uh, have problems with our community being a part of this temple, I continue to support them in having that view and that belief, that's cool, I get it. And that's why I said that we're gonna continue to try to change that for the better. So that hopefully, you know, soon, sooner rather than later, we'll be able to say that we've changed those institutions for the better. Something very, I'll, I'll go ahead and put it up front, something very difficult to talk about, for instance, is we have a ton of Satanists who are, you know, ACAP. All cops are bastards, right? Yeah, I was, um, just, I was
1: just about to bring that up. And, mm-hmm, and yeah. there's got to be a, a tension there.
0: There is. The fact is there is, right? And there's not a clean, good solution to it. There's a, I think the only real thing that we have to do in order to bridge that gap is uh, we, as members of these problematic organizations, acknowledge the problems and try to make it better. And hopefully those outside of our institutions that might look negatively on our institutions, at least acknowledge that we're trying, right? Um, I'm not asking someone to, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't be, you know, ACAB or, you know, anti-military industrial complex or anything like that. I'm not saying they shouldn't do those things. Absolutely, voice your concerns, right? Because without voicing your concerns, what would ever get done?
1: And the uh, community relies on people doing that, right? Like, like this, the our religious community. You know, there's a reason why I brought this up, and the the reason is fundamental dis- disagreements are like the 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 energy and the perpetual motion machine of our religion. It it is the fuel that generates the life of our religion. It is in that space between those disagreements, and some of them are intractable disagreements. Some of them are going to be irreconcilable. They have to be in order for this thing called religion to work, in order for this thing called community, in order for this thing called culture even to work in a mature way for those those profound differences to exist in tension with each other in a way that makes it resilient and anti-fragile rather than b- brittle and delicate. Right. And and so there are a ton of people in TST I disagree with. That's the way it should be. <laughs> That's yes. important. And there are, and you know, there are people who disagree with me. There are people who read my articles, and and I hear from them, and they think I am completely wrong. Or there are people who will listen to my podcast, and they will write me emails, and I welcome every single one of them.
0: Oh, you are probably going to get quite a few of them about this. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Which is
1: perfect, be, because the fact is, we need each other. Yes, we need we need those who disagree with us in order to function as a mature and healthy community. That is how we grow. That is how we transform. And so, you know, I am a minister. My job is to. Part of my well, part of my self ordained job, you know, I I have taken this on, I've taken on this mantle. Um, part of I believe that part of my role as a minister is to embrace that tension. My show is called Sacred Tension for yeah. a fucking reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, one hundred percent. Oh my god, you're
1: so, not kidding. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, as speaking as a minister, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, all of this could be ministerial talk, but <laughs> most definitely, but specifically, I guess, to provide some ministry. Um, I think that what we're talking about here, this need for you know conflict within our own organization, this. Well, I wouldn't say conflict, necessarily, but discussion within our and own And it can be conflict. Agreement and, and disagreement, right? And it, it, it's okay
1: if it's conflict, too. Sometimes, conf, yeah. co- sometimes conflict is necessary, and that isn't a bad thing. And, and depending on how healthy our institution is, it will cultivate that in a way that makes us resilient.
0: And I think that that can be represented and embodied in the fact that we don't have a Bible. We don't have you know, specific books and texts, this walls of, uh, you know, documents that say exactly how you should do a B or C thing. We have seven tenets and we try to go by those the best we can, right? And that's specifically so, in my opinion, specifically so that we can have this progressive conflict, right? This uh, way forward in agreeing and disagreeing with each other so that we can say, well, you know, it's my belief that maybe we go this way with this thing. And someone else says, well, that's, you know, I think that we should go this way with it. And we can either go, you know, that's fucking dumb, or that's a stellar idea, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's that way that we can come together as a community and go forward. If we had this wall of books that uh, we had to adhere to every you know, page of would be no different than any other religion, and we would never get anything done because the entire idea of having that, you know, that huge book that says everything to do is to not progress. It's to do this and just this. It's to free and it, our it entire religion it. Is based on moving us
1: forward. Yeah, and and you know, the seventh tenet, the essence of which is, you know, even these tenets are are basically open to revision and reinterpretation you know nothing is written in stone and uh you know the spirit of compassion wisdom and justice should prevail in all things include and should prevail over the written word i mean i bring this up because being made stronger as a community because of disagreement and not in spite of it is an incredibly challenging thing to do it is incredibly hard it is so difficult to exist in that space and it is maybe one of the most counterintuitive things for our species to do but i think that satanists might be uniquely suited to doing that because of our principles of reason and compassion and progress and so on. So it's very 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 hard, but I think in general it's just it's necessary to it's necessary to have a healthy and mature movement. The fact that there will be people who are A cab and the fact that there are people who are members of the police force within the same religious community. That is a very deep tension and that's the way it's supposed to be
0: hundred percent. We would never progress without that tension.
1: Uh, So I think that's a great note for us to end on. So for people who might want to know more about Uniformed Coalition or contact them, where can they do that?
0: So one of the primary means of contacting us is Facebook, right? We have Facebook like anyone else. So facebook.com slash groups slash TST Uniformed Coalition. Right. That'll get you to our group. Now, um, that group, that specific group is closed uh, to um, the, you know, the membership of military and veterans and uh, law enforcement and firefighters, et cetera. Um, But nonetheless, it does have a lot of our about info and what we do and what we're about. And if you do have any questions or you're a part of one of these communities and want to know more, you can also always email us at uniformcoalition at the satanic temple.org or T-S-T-U-C at the temple.org And we'll get back to you as soon as we can.
1: Amazing. And I will put all of those in the show notes for uh, for anyone who listens to this and wants to follow up on that. All right, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, James. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me. Absolutely stoked that you gave me the opportunity to be here.
1: All right. Well, that is it for this show. The theme song is Wild by 117. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and it is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening.